It's 2003. Two hip-hop albums called The Movement released on the same day, June 10th, by Inspector Deck and Mo Thugs. U.S. forces seize control of Baghdad and remove Saddam Hussein from power. Me First and the Gimme Gimmies release my favorite album of theirs, Take a Break. Poland and the Czech Republic join the European Union. Electric car company Tesla Incorporated is founded by Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpening. Jesus Christ, 4chan launched and Concord flights ended. Can these two hosts and their guest create something better than 4chan? Almost definitely. As good as supersonic flight? Almost certainly not. But much, much safer? We'll see. This is Frankenstein's Jukebox. Chan's full name was Jesus Christ Fortune. That's a uh, <laughs> that I've learned today. That's because every time we go on that website, the first words that come out of your mouth are Jesus Christ. I've got to get out of here. Exactly. Yep. That's it. Right. The full name of the site is Jesus Christ. I've got to get out of Fortune. Yeah. Hello, James. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It has been a heck of a fun day. Friend of the podcast, Max, has been visiting mm. from Boston, so I've been hanging Uh-oh. out with them all day. Awesome. And that's been a blast. I am insanely jealous. Yeah, it's been fun. Max rules. Yeah, you'll have to come down and join us next time. Well, okay. I will. All right, great. Perfect. <laughs> Done. Signed and sealed. Cut, print, all that good stuff. All the words that indicate you are legally bound to do so. Oh, <laughs> so, some disclaimers may apply. Oops. <laughs> James, I yep. am very excited, and I know that you are also very excited. Yes, I am. Because we have a guest with us for this episode. Our yeah, we do. first guest of this decade, is that Correct. right? Yep. Ooh. Former cast member of the Broadswords, Twitch streamer, and drummer, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Dan and James. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So excited to have you here. Would you love to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? My name is Tracy. You may recognize me from a podcast called The Broadswords, or you may recognize me uh, occasionally streaming on Twitch. Uh, if you do see me on Twitch, I'm probably playing a Bioware game. And I've also um, recently become a drummer as of two years ago as my little COVID project. And now I'm in a band and it's pretty great. It's really fun to take that love of music and turn it from listening to it 24-7, especially, you know, in the halls of high school when you always have the headphones on, turning it into something like becoming more of a part of it. Yeah. Love that. Kind of feel like that for this podcast for me, too. This is sort of my, that sort of thing for me. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, it's also very fitting because we're diving into 2003 for our episode, which was right in the peak halls of high school time for me. <laughs> yeah, same. Where I was like starting to feel like walking around with headphones around my neck, ready to pop them on at any time was the just coolest thing I could, <laughs> I could do. <laughs> oh, boy. I was yeah. just like really starting to get into music aside from like most of what i had grown up on and stuff Mm. like that so yeah yeah same 
Tracy, how was your 2003? Oh, 2003. I'm the same where 2003 was really the year that I got into music. And I'm going to – now, the song that I picked for the episode is – very specific, like I picked it for a specific reason I think we'll talk about more. But in general, 2003 was that like sweet year of like graduating grade eight, going into grade nine. When you're at that that tender, I was 13 at the time. So at that kind of tender age where you're really starting to find the pieces that pull you together. And music became one of those pieces that year. Very nice. Very nice. James, how about you? I went through my live journal and actual journal, sort of, for 2003, and it was depressing. Oh, no. Uh, Let's see. 2003 was sophomore year through the beginning of junior year of college for me. And I had the two most important relationships of, I would say, my life. Started with a person that it was really great to be dating her in 2003 because she was like plugged into like music and stuff. So she was like, you got to check out this and this and this and this. And I made you this mix CD and all this stuff. And I was bad about actually pulling stuff from mix CDs, but she was also incredibly like insistent on me doing that. So I, I did. And then I ended the year dating Kristen, who I would then marry. So 2003 was Ooh. was was wild. And in between that was a lot of breaking up with the one and starting to date the other and confusion and a job that my mom got me from one of her friends that I didn't want because it was early and labor intensive and neither of those things are James. And and that was that was true <laughs> back then, too. I have lots and lots of memories of of albums being released and getting them before work because my work was like three to eleven in in the night, you know, into the night, which should be fine for me because I like to stay up late. And every time I hear an advertisement, it's like, oh, I like to stay up late. Let me get a job. I heard a commercial for Sheets the other day that was like, I'm always up late. I'm gonna get a job and make that money. I'm like, no, 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 no. You liking to stay up late and you liking to work late is not the same thing. So. For instance, take a break. I remember specifically driving to a... I installed telecommunication cable at high schools in the Virginia Beach County area. And I remember there's a really long and windy road to this one high school. And I was listening to Take a Break for the first time as I drove that windy, unnecessarily windy road. So lots of memories of sort of listening to music and dreading the work involved of doing the job. So 2003 was way more complex year than I... Th- I always was like, oh yeah, 2003, what a year. Oof. Oof, <laughs> oof, oof. Yeah. Really coming to terms with 2003 in preparation for this episode. <laughs> so yeah. If this seems like therapy, that's because it is. So... <laughs> I like the fact that you like you talked about your live journal then because I feel like like I'm a little bit younger so we weren't quite mm. at the like the live journal stage but we were absolutely at the MSN messenger stage. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. really really remember that. Mm-hmm. And it yep. just brings back those memories of spending way too much time sitting at your computer putting together your iTunes library. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, lots of posts about you know ripping CDs is my meditation. All these things. <laughs> making mix CDs mm-hmm. and making yep. like the first iPod I got didn't work and I tried to sort of just survive with it not working like an iPod should and putting songs onto it for exactly like the amount of time that I could have accessed that warranty that I got and then I took it in and they're like so last week that was when that expired <laughs> so <laughs> in the most classic James way of you had all this time, and now it's too late. But well, yeah, it's just... all sorts of stuff like that. I was, you know, in college, so there was like instant messenger stuff and 
away messages and profile quotes and stuff. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. The away messages. The away messages. The art of the away message. Yep. Always lyrics. Always. Yeah. Always the lyrics that made you seem deep and also like a little (laughs) bit troubled. So your (laughs) would reach out and be like, are you okay? See, and it's it's so funny. I guess I'm in this place. We're talking about this on Timeline Scavengers. I specifically fought against any away message that would have people be like, hey, is, is everything okay? Because I wanted them to know instinctively and not be the guy that posted stuff. You know, making it like that extra level of inaccessible and unhelped, which was just like, you know, mm, ah. but there was one time when I put up a, some lyrics that I was just like, I like these lyrics. They were Blink-182 lyrics from uh, the first Blink-182 album. And this this very well-meaning girl wrote me this very heartfelt note of encouragement based on having interpreted the lyrics as I'm reaching out for help and not, I think these lyrics are funny. I felt it was maybe the worst I've ever felt. <laughs> oh, she no. was very, very well-meaning in a way that was, I didn't need that emotional investment from, from her <laughs> much as, you know, I valued it, but uh, yeah. Anyways, way messages. They were, uh, they were something. They were sure. I, I am curious now. What was the song? Uh, I think it was wasting, uh, wasting time. Mm. Let me see if I can find this. I don't mean it's, to send you on a scavenger see. hunt, but I'm no, curious no, no. now. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, it is. Does my breath smell? Uh, it's mm. the. There's a part that. It, who makes up all the rules about those girls I want? Who tells them all to laugh? Who tells them all to talk about me? And I'm not sure what my purpose is for being here. Why do they always kick me in the groin when I come near? And I'm not complaining. It just hurts after a bit was the full thing that I put on my away message. She was like, I just know things are going to start working out for you and and you know, just it's going to be good and just hang in there and all this stuff. I was like and like a little bit looking back I'm like maybe were you not really or were you maybe a little bit reaching out and you were like, no, I'm not. So maybe those were well-meaning, you know, intentioned lyrics, but whew, when I came back to discover that note it was Handwritten, a handwritten note. She didn't. I am. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. 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 No. She. It was a. It was a sweet situation of my dorm. So she had been hanging out with people in our suite and visited me and wrote me a post-it note that she stuck on my computer. That's so sweet. Oh my god. It was so sweet. She was maybe like a B or C list person in our suite. Like in a, in a way that I feel gross about now. I feel like I was always nice to her, but she had sort of a reputation that of not being the brightest bulb in a way that was unfair, especially because she was obviously so sweet and just looking to reach out and connect with people. So if it had been like my friend Rachel or, or Karen or whatever, that would have been like, okay, weirdo, that I, whatever, you know, but I felt like I can't tell her that it wasn't, oh, yeah, all, yeah. So that was just one, just one little event, one little slice of, of that year. Or that I get maybe it was uh, freshman year. It was freshman year. So that was that's a that's telling stories from O two. Telling stories from O two is my new spinoff podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds just like a really great album yeah. name. Yeah, from like from like the early two thousands where we're like, listen, let's just say what it yeah. is. My my two thousand three was interesting. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a it was a fine year. It was me going from freshman year to sophomore year of high school. So nine to ten and the band that i was in stopped playing 
I had been doing like the the high school league improv comedy group that I was with stopped doing their thing, and I just felt like there was some other like small thing that I had been doing that ended, and I was like, well, everything good ends, and was just like really pouty for I think a lot of two thousand three, where I absolutely did not need to be <laughs> but like really really got into uh like i said like bran- branching out for music stuff mm-hmm. and really starting to expand my my musical knowledge and so it was overall i think a very good formative year for me i feel like i got more insular that year like i went instead of you know wide i went deep on like the pop punk alternative emo stuff whereas in high school and past 2003, I would be like, let me see what I can find of all sorts of different things. Whereas this was like, no, uh, 50 bands of the same sort of, on the same three record labels or whatever. Which is kind of disappointing when I go through, like, I'm like, oh man, this this list of, of albums that I remember and, and revere from that year is not the most diverse in any definition of the word diverse that we want to uh that we want to pick out yeah yeah so yelly white dudes um 2003 (laughs) i think that's really the theme for 2003 though for sure for sure sure. yeah well all right so I, i know we don't really have a lot for this uh this year for read you loud and clear so i think we're going to uh, we're going to skip over that segment this yeah. this episode. I did a bit of a you know a, in summary that was what a lot of my live journal was. Hey, sorry, it's been a long time since I've updated, and then you know a little minor yep. update, and then that's it. So, so we'll do yeah. we'll do this one quick thing, putting everybody on the spot. If you were to read a two-sentence segment that would probably have been something you would have written in a journal in 2003, what would those two sentences be? I'll go ahead and start, which is, oh, dang, it looks like Awesome Grandpa won't be playing together anymore. That was so much fun, and I guess I'm probably done with music. (laughs) Mm. Little did I know, but I do remember feeling that way. Is so a, that's that's mine. Will this be a journal for public consumption or for or for James Eyes only? Let's say public consumption. Okay, I think I, I think I got mine. Hit us with it. Classes are going okay. I think that I have that I'm ready for the test I have tomorrow, um, but I'm gonna stop studying so I can go hang out with the girl I dated the first half of the year. Her nickname that she had chosen for herself with her friend before I was even involved was Fatty. So I, she was, it was, it was, I guess, ironic. I don't, I don't, it was, she, blah, blah, blah. So I would probably have said something about, like, gonna instead go hang out with, with, um, with Fatty for the evening. God, 2003 was so weird. Yeah, so that's it. Some, like, update on how I was, quote unquote, doing in school. Indication of how I was maybe not doing as great because I had other priorities besides the major I didn't want to have anymore. But Fair. would invest my life in. <laughs> how about you tracy oh gosh um i remember so for me 2003 was 
that was like eighth grade going into ninth grade. That was like such this this time where I hadn't quite developed the te- the teen angst hadn't arrived yet. I feel like at the mm. time I was still hopeful and I was about to go to high school and I was really excited. I was going to be going to high school with all my friends. And I also remember. I was so fucking into Lord of the Rings at the time. Like, Return of the King just came out. Yes. (laughs) And I remember at the time, it fucking blew my mind. And I was 13. I I remember being very into Legolas, but also I I was into Arwen. mm -hmm. But I thought I was like, no, I like Arwen and like, I admire her way. But no, 13-year-old Tracy, you are not straight. You (laughs) like Arwen and not... um, you know, in a not in a admire way. So mm. I probably would have written something terribly embarrassing in my journal, like, I can't wait to go to high school. I hope that I meet somebody as handsome as Legolas there. Incredible. <laughs> Fully Love bearing it. my 13-year-old soul here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, I think we've got probably a lot to talk about in the realm of great music from this year because hot shit oh my gosh (laughs) holy crap what a year like again i just feel like the past couple of episodes have been like man this was a great year for music so let's uh let's dive into our honorable monsters it's not that they weren't good enough it's not that they weren't up to snuff it's just that we didn't pick them Before we kick it over to Tracy to kick us off with your honorable monsters, I do want to go through some of the ones we threw out in the Discord and on Twitter. We asked for your honorable monsters, and we got quite a great selection of them. So we had listener James at James underscore librarian says that uh, Hysteria by Muse, Thick Freakness by Black Keys, Seven yeah. Nation Army by White Stripes. Yeah. The entirety of the Earth is not a cold, dead place by explosions in the sky. Yep. And uh, Miseria Cantare, The Beginning by AFI. That whole AFI album rules. <laughs> it's. It would be a while before I'd get into it, and then I would get into it, and it is a very, very, very good album. I'm also it's so like- thrilled Earth is not a cold, dead place was on there, because that album, like, instrumental doors open from that album. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. Hey, listener, if you are super into My Chemical Romance and you haven't listened to Sing the Sorrow by AFI, it's the missing My Chemical Romance song album. I just wanted to put that out there. It's you. You, you should listen to it. It's very, very My Chemical Romancey, right? My, yes. my Chemical Romantic. Excuse me. I don't know why. I... <laughs> my Chemically Romantic. My, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And listener Holly Flanagan, who has the incredible uh, screen name of at Holly. Wow. Yeah. That's like a Twitter account set up in 2003. Right. (laughs) So Holly says, hey, ya, and only hey, ya. (laughs) I spent a large portion of my day today listening to Speakerbox The Love Below and uh, it, hey, ya, and also the rest of that amazing double album uh just yeah the way you move yeah. oh. the way you move yeah there there's a i was thinking there's a, a nora jones feature on there that in 2003 would have been like like adele being on a lizzo album which now i would 
I would like I to need hear that, that in my ears yeah. right now. Thank <laughs> but you. like it yeah, it's just it's a fantastic album and it is like half like straightforward 2003 Atlanta rap and half you've gone to the other side of the looking glass with Andre 3000 because it is the weirdest thing and in the middle of that is hey ya the most accessible pop song of the 2000s <laughs> without a doubt it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember seeing the music video for Roses mm-hmm. one morning before going to school and just being like is that is that Kevin McDonald as the principal running in here yelling no speaker boxing? And sure. that was like the main yeah. thing I took from it. And then like <laughs> a couple of years later would hear the song and be like, no, actually, you know what? This song does kind of slap. This yeah. song is a lot of fun. And for a long time, it was a go-to karaoke song because like it would, it's just stupidly fun to sing and people will mm-hmm. just get into it. I have to say, whenever Roses comes up, it is boo-boo, not poo-poo, as everyone in my peer group thought it was. <laughs> it smells like boo-boo. Let's just all grow up and say the, the, the duty word that is actually being sung. <laughs> I always thought it was poo-oo-oo-oo. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it smells like boo-boo, which is the same. It's, no one had the meaning wrong, just uh, the pedant... The, the pedantic uh, outcast lyrics uh, that I always needed to. Two thousand, listen. Two thousand three was a was a time and a half. So that, uh, except I never got any overtime. James, I do love you. Yeah, yeah, very much, and you know this to be mm. the case. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, Genius.com says it's poo poo. It's it's wrong. It's wrong. It could it be that maybe you heard a radio edit that was a little too sensitive about the word poo and said I, instead? Well. <laughs> Part of me hopes so. Part of me hopes that <laughs> there are radio editors out me like me out there that are that are really like there are some scatological things that we're going to edit slightly. I hope so. I don't think so, but maybe. I don't think I've ever heard this song on the radio. Not I've fair. seen the music video, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not willing to admit at this juncture that I've been hearing it wrong for 19 years, so... Um... <laughs> okay, listen, I respect that. I respect that. And honestly, I'm not willing to admit that either, so I'm going to stick with Pooh. Listen, here's the thing. We're all winners. Yeah, That's true. We're, we we're all, all right in our own way. We all have outcast. Those were our Twitter responses. Mm-hmm. And in the Discord... Colin Parker says, pretty good year for music for Colin M. Parker. The M, of course, standing for music. Right. We've had enough from Good Morning by Alkaline Trio. Mm-hmm. Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. Oh, yeah. So Long Astoria, or maybe Radio Number 2 from So Long Astoria by the Ataris. Feeling This from the untitled, self-titled album of Blink-182 is a classic. I'm, I'm not familiar. <laughs> Never heard of that band before, <laughs> James. You don't know Blink One Eighty Two? You must have missed it. Yeah, I must. I must have blinked. In. The first four tracks of Anthem by Less Than Jake are all absolutely great. Ty joins in and says, "Against Me" as the Eternal Cowboy. Fantastic that album. Familiar. That sounds familiar. <laughs> Does a little bit. <laughs> Particularly a fan of Rice and Bread. Mm-hmm. Also, the reasons by the weaker thans. Yes, is a reconstruction uh, site. 
I haven't reconstruction seen site came out in 2003. I'm blown. How how's that not on any of my list? That is a wow. oh, it's gonna get covered. Okay, not good. just by Ty. Someone else, spoiler, is gonna talk about that album <laughs> as they're in their honorable monsters. I don't know who it's gonna be, but I bought that album unheard because. Jenna had said you need to get this album. I was like, okay, let's let's get that album and great call. So that's all from our listeners. Thank you all so much for throwing in your honorable monsters. We always love to hear from you. Tracy, would you like to hit us with your honorable monsters for 2003? So I want to start by confessing that I actually picked 10 albums because this year just had so many great albums. So yeah. I want to like one of us <laughs> can't <know>. just choose. <laughs> I can't just choose one, but one of the first honorable monsters that I want to talk about is I guess we'll kind of consider it a two parter mm-hmm. because in 2003, and this blows my mind that both these albums came out give up by the postal service came out and transatlanticism by death cab for cutie. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Who broke up with Ben that year to, to make him <laughs> go so genius to release both those albums in one year? Seriously. It yeah. Absolutely blows my mind. Um, I guess just like when I think about those albums, I remember one of my best friends, Ali. She introduced me to so much great music. She introduced me to Death Cab, Postal Service, The Decembrist, like – Hoxley Workman, which if anybody knows Hoxley Workman, like, hell yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad you know Hoxley Workman. Hoxley Workman um, is Canadian, so we've seen him together probably like eight times because he always pops up in Toronto. He'll do like bookshops. He did like this little tiny show in our hometown one time. Anyways, um, she got me into all these great artists. So like, I remember driving in her van, going down to camp in the States, because I grew up right across the border from the States, and we would listen to Postal Service and Death Cab, and she got me into all this great music, so I'm blown away that both those albums came out this year. I mean, Give Up by the Postal Service is just like, I mean, both of them are just like, chef's kiss. Yeah. Translatism is what you listen to when you're an, an angsty, upset teenager, or you're like navigating a long-distance relationship like that, is the album for processing some emotions seriously mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. want to call out those two and also another one i'm going to do in a pair is fallen by evanescence and meteora by lincoln park because yes. before those were like <laughs> they came out a little bit earlier in 2003 and i feel like i remember i had my cd player and i used to spend a lot of time on the bus because my school was far away from my home and i had my cd player and i would rotate between those two cds and like the artist that I'm going to talk about as my selected mention was like, was my gateway to music. But these were two albums I had beforehand that were like, just, they were the ones who kind of first opened that door. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I learned so much from like Linkin Park and Evanescence and I appreciate them so much. So yep. personally, like, hell yeah, love them both. Meteor is um, a perfect album. Meteor has n- no flaws on it. it it's it's f- a- a- amazing from from beginning to end. Oh, Evanescence gosh. was like taken off of my list of five mm-hmm. as like the 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 last one to go. But good lord, <sighs> such goodness! I know. Mm-hmm. So I the last album that I think I, I have like like I said I have like six more. Um, two <laughs> of them we discussed briefly earlier, which were Earth is Not a Cold Dead Place and Speaker Box to Love Below. But another album that just really, I'll, I'll briefly mention the other ones, but another album that really sticks with me from 2003 is In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth by Coheed and Cambria. Yeah. Because that, 
I love Coheed. I've seen them multiple times. They put on a fantastic show. But that album, like, front to back, and, like, the fact that it starts with the title track, which is, like, nine minutes of mind-blowing awesomeness, and it just stays fantastic from there. Like, yeah. One of my high school best friends was a huge Coheed fan, and I have so many memories of listening to that album over and over again. It's mm. absolutely my favorite Coheed album. Oh, I It actually, so like, that was good. one of the ones where I looked at the 2003 list, and I was like, excuse me, that did not come out in 2003. That came out in, like, 2006, but no, it came out in 2003. Coheed's been making great music, music for many years. Yes. So my other honorable mentions from the list are Elephant by White Stripes, because Seven Nation Army was sure. fucking revolutionary when it came out. Yeah, um, sure. Billy Talent's first self-titled album. I don't know how popular mm-hmm. Billy Talent got in the US, but they're a Canadian band that got Fairly. pretty wildly popular yeah. here. And yeah. there are a lot of like, they're a little bit one-dimensional, but gosh, I loved that album when it came mm-hmm. out. And the other one that I mentioned that I haven't talked about yet was The Terror State by Anti-Flag, which is probably like a little bit of a turn from what you're James is doing a dance over there. Um, The fact that like either James or myself has reacted to every single thing you've said with the same like excited, oh my God, I love that. I could not have predicted that you would, that those are the two that, okay. (laughs) It's been great. This is already best episode we've ever done. Oh, thanks, yo. But yeah, really, um. Terror State by Andy Flag was like, that was like when I was like kind of starting to dip my toe. Like I listened to it much after 2003, but it was when I was starting to dip my toes into like the punkish water. And I feel like that was the punk album where I was like, yes. I like what they're saying and I like their music. And it's like, cause some like punk I'm very picky about, but mm-hmm. that whole album, like Andy Flag and like everything that they're talking about and also like their music style. I was like, this is punk. I'm fucking into yeah so i wanted to call it that album as well it's a sea change for them it's it's again no flaws on it it's oh god it's such a good album (sighs) and it was like also that album was like a was the introduction to punk but also it was like kind of a bit of an introduction to me of like politics within music and how you Mm -hmm. can use music to be more than just music like i feel like that was part of the draw for me with them too absolutely and i feel like i I learned a lot from andy flag so thank you andy flag y'all rock yeah Absolutely. May I go? Would it be I would okay love I to hear your okay. honorable monsters. Please. Yes. Uh, just wanted to really quick uh, hop on. I discovered Give Up at a Plan 9 Records uh, listening kiosk on a rainy day. Of so course it was, it was raining. It was oh my God. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> the district sleeps alone Did tonight. the Manic Pixie Dream Girl like walk by <laughs> as that was going on? I was dating her. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I had picked out a five, uh, a pack of five of political albums that I was going to talk about. The Terror State was on there, so... Uh, <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that album, that album was such a... If you listen to A New Kind of Army, which is the album before The Terror State, and then you listen to Terror State, you're like, it is like they figured it out. They, like, had been doing this sort of, like, fine, like, sort of oi punk sort of stuff... Terror State, it's like they, like the punk equivalent of like Quincy Jones came in and was like, hey, what if acoustic guitars? What if we made your vocals sound good? <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so good. And they come, it was in the era, 2003 was a time when Woody Guthrie's estate was distributing unreleased and unrecorded Woody Guthrie songs among the punk community. 
So uh, Dropkick Murphy's got one, and post-war breakout on the Terror State is a Woody Guthrie song that they just, they were like, Woody would have liked you to have this, and you'd have that, and you'd have this. It's, uh, uh, all right, so, what's the rest of All right, so um, Rise Against, Revolutions Per Minute is my first album. Rise Against is really, really good. Revolutions Per Minute is the best title for a punk album that I think is absolutely, is, is actually possible um, because it's like revolutions, but also like revolutions. The song Blood Red, White, and Blue, Blood Red, White, and Blue is just, that's a, that's a like all-timer track for me. One of the best guitar solos of all time. Thrice, The Artist in the Ambulance. Ooh. which is a tour to... F- so I got it on driving home with a co-worker, and we put it, I put it on because I'd been anticipating it because Illusion of Safety was just a, a, a game-changer of an album from the year before. So I got it, and he was like, all these songs sound the same, and I was like, shut up, no, they don't. They sound great. And listen, I'm willing to admit at this point, maybe to untrained ears, maybe, but it is... Uh, it's it's like I always talk about it as like you know how there's like I, th- I can't think of what it's called like positive rap where it's like like a common and um, you know outcast like where it's like instead of being like you know sort of a, on a gangsta level it's like a educate yourself sort of KRS one sort of stuff it's like that but for punk music it's like we can do better and we need to do better it's instead of like the Anaflag love them they're sort of in the the world's on its way down we need to sort of rise up and whatever yeah thrice yeah. is like it is our responsibility as artists to do better. And I was like, holy crap, all right, I will. So the title track of The Artist in the Ambulance is also called The Artist in the Ambulance, and it is very, very good. Suicide Machines, Imagine Some Gasoline is... Suicide Machines are funny because they are ska punk, but no slash, more like a semicolon, because they do ska songs and punk songs, and imagine, a ga- and imagine Some Gasoline is literally a punk song, a ska song, a punk song, a ska song for the whole thing. And it works tremendously well. It shouldn't, but it does. It's very, very good. And uh, the song I wanted to point out is Did You Ever Get the Feeling of Dread, which is one of the ska songs. There's also a song on there about skating on your skateboard wherever you want to. So, like, you know, there's a range of things. Thursday's War All the Time. Is, Thursday is... Another band that I was sort of heard on a Warp Tour comp and bought the album before this, and then this album was just a game changer. It's there. Thursday was in the sort of you could call them screamo or like screamo pop punk or whatever, because they did have the guy that sang and the guy that yelled, but then add like art school, and so then they were tolerable and great and artsy and and good. And everything I wanted, like Hawthorne Heights, to be that a Hawthorne Heights never could ever be. No, no, no disrespect. <clears throat> I'm just gonna move on before I say anything that I don't mean. Um, <laughs> but Thursday uh, War All the Time is is excellent, and again, sort of a political sort of deal. And the first song is called "For the Workforce Drowning," and it is really, really good. And now I have a free space because Terror State is already taken. So I'll say, I'll say the Black Album by Jay-Z came out in 2003, and um, I didn't appreciate it or listen to it at the time, but now I recognize that it is one of the best uh, hip-hop albums uh, ever, and 
I would pick out uh, December 4th, which is uh, the song that features his, that has vocals from his mom on it too, which is cool. And it's about how he, how he uh, grew up as a little, as a little young little Jay-Z. And, uh, and it's, it's very sweet in a, at the beginning of an album that has some intensity and some uh, other stuff on it too, which is very, also very good, but it's a very sweet way to start it. So those are my honorable monsters. Uh, 2003 is an impossible. We could do a second episode. We really, we really could. <laughs> that was like, I skipped a lot of great albums to come mm-hmm. up with 10, which is still too many. Yeah. yeah. Like what I, a I year. Went, I went back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Cause I think this out, this EP came out. Uh, Matchbook Romance is one of the first bands that I ever heard on a comp and then was like, I need to hear this and got to them before their first album came out. I also thought their name was Matchbox Romance. So I kept asking at the record store for Matchbox Romance and they said, I don't know what you're talking about. So that was frustrating. And it was a pre sort of Wikipedia sort of era. But uh, Stories and Alibis by Matchbook Romance has the greatest fall of all time on it. And that song is way better i i i don't listen to it regularly and that's a shame because it is it was uh, at the time sort of you know on the top 10 with a bullet sort of uh, song daniel nice. please fill fill in fill in some more gaps in 2003 uh, of what we have i, I will i will also be duplicating great but i would be remiss if i didn't say that matchbox romance is just rob thomas covering matchbook romance songs oh and it was absolutely <laughs> because i was like matchbooks tw- match, matchbook 20 see that's that's <laughs> the, the split ep of those that's two that's the bands. other way around yeah exactly exactly there is a there is a cover of um of the real world on songs that saved my life which is a, a really good uh, compilation and uh it's very good so that could have been good nice. too anyways all right, so for my honorable monsters, I did select specific songs rather than the albums because, like, I could go on about albums all freaking day. It's fine. Uh, I just figured, yeah, it's easier for me to single out, especially because two of these are, like, the album is fine, but this one song shines mm-hmm. strongly for mm-hmm. me, so... Mm-hmm. As hard as it was to pick one song off of Kings of Leon's Youth and Young Manhood, mm-hmm. I had to go with Holy Roller Novocaine because that's just fun. It's got just a real good groove to it. I really loved Kings of Leon's first album. I know, um, I can't remember his first name, Nathan Followill? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. The, the lead singer said that he uh, kind of mumbled through a lot of the lyrics in the first album because he was embarrassed by them, uh, which is why like a lot of their stuff in, uh, in later albums is a lot like clearer and sung a lot more powerfully. I love the like mumbly kind of bluesy feel of this album. Yeah. And Holy, Ro- Holy Roller Novocaine is just so great. And then it's also got a bonus track on the end of it. So... If you listen to if you're listening to the album on CD like I would, as soon as Holy Roller Novocaine is done, you forward through it because that bonus song is not worth it. <laughs> I miss the. Can I just quickly say I miss the days when you would get bonus tracks on albums and when you're like yes. the song's done and it's like no, you gotta wait five minutes and there's another secret song, a little bit of dessert at the end of your album. I will say that there are some bands that were a little too indulgent with how long they put. Mm. And so when 2113 happens right after the light in the glass on In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, you know, 50 tracks of two seconds each. I'm okay with that. Yeah. There there are some times when I'm like, ah, remember? 
and then there's sometimes when I'm like, but maybe this is, maybe this is. It's funnier when when you have someone listening to it the first time and you haven't listened to it for the first time. That's the real fun part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, but wait, there's more. Yeah. Or when the bonus song is 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 one of the really good songs on the album, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plea from a cat named Vertute by the Weaker Thens off of Reconstruction Site. Absolute, just God, I love that song. It's so good. I, as I talked about last episode, like had gone through a breakup back in 2010 and was like rediscovering my love of music and everything. And uh, Pandora was a huge help in that. Mm-hmm. And I heard uh, One Great City by The Weaker Thens off this album, which is just dunking on Winnipeg. The anti-Winnipeg song, yeah. Yes, and it's great. And then my sister put this song on a mix CD she made me. And it's a song a, 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 from the perspective of a cat uh, singing to their depressed owner. Mm-hmm. And it's like super sweet and definitely didn't make me cry every single time I heard it for a good long time. Yes, it did. It mm-hmm. absolutely did. And mm-hmm. I still get emotional sometimes about it. But uh, in looking it up, because I was like, I am confident that when my sister like put this CD together and like printed out the track listing, that it's plea from a cat named Virtue and that she that, just mistyped it. That was, yeah, I... <laughs> the story Daniel's about to tell has me as a side character on it where I'm like, no, it is virtue. And Daniel come back and say, says, the, yeah, that it's I had not. to look it up, but it is yeah. virtute. V-I-R-T-U-T-E. And in doing some research on that, I found the in another album by The Weaker Thens, the song Virtute the Cat Explains Her Departure, mm-hmm. which is... Is that on Reunion Tour? Uh, yeah. And it's a great song. Mm-hmm. And I still cannot listen to it without getting very emotional. It's <laughs> at this point on my Spotify, you know, daily playlists. They're all just a ticking time bomb uh-huh. for Virtute the Cat Explains Her Departure before I'm just like, well, if I'm listening at work, I have to step away for a minute and go <laughs> cry at the line. I can't remember the sound that you found for me because it's amazing. I'm fine. I'm not getting emotional right now. Hold on. Uh and then there's a third song in the Virtute trilogy from when the lead singer of the Weaker Thens went on um, the, doing solo stuff. And that song I listened to once. I will never listen to it again. First time I listened to it, I was an absolute mess. It's a great song, but like I spent a good 20 minutes crying about this non-existent cat. Yeah. <laughs> this cat doesn't exist. And like... Two days before this, I found out that there was another song about it, and then found this one. Oh, boy. It was... <clears throat> anyway, highly um, recommend it, especially if you love cats like I do. Absolutely. I just Whenever the Weaker Thens come up, I, I do want to point out that anyone who really likes the Weaker Thens... So, John K. Simpson is the is the guy that is the is the dude, you know, behind this and writes all the songs and whatever. He was in a band called Propagandi before uh, the Weaker Thens. <laughs> Love propaganda. So, it's really funny to listen to propaganda. I, the, my my album by them is Less Talk More Rock, which is really really mm-hmm. great because it is basically like we have a bunch of jocks that are our fans. Uh, fuck them, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, like Suicide Machines have ska punk, ska punk. They have I don't I, I don't know what the other 
other person who sings and writes songs for Propaganda's name is. Very political, very sort of minor thready, very like what you'd imagine a band called Propaganda would write. And then interspersed between those are basically weaker than songs with harder instruments. Like, it's like, yeah, and, and you know, fuck you if you whatever, and don't eat meat and all this stuff. Um, and now a, a gentle examination of a sunset, <laughs> like, and then we'll go back into it. And it um, works, I, but it's like... <laughs> love that. It's it's so funny that you bring them up in that context, because that was a band, once again, like, during my punk phase, I, like, mid-2000, I listened to them a lot, kind of put it down. And then, also about, like, a year and a half ago, so I went vegan, and I started finding mm-hmm. about out about, like, this, like, punk's role in vegan and how many, like, punk artists... And, like, different artists, but mostly, like, definitely absolutely in punk yep. talk about, like, not eating meat. And Propaganda was one of those artists. And I re-listened yeah. their songs. And I'm like, they literally just, like, sing Meat is Murder. And I'm like, okay, I'm cool with this. I like this. Yeah. And then I got back into them. <laughs> it, it, it makes Morrissey look a little on the fence. <laughs> about- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, who will cave first, Propaganda or Morrissey? You put your money on Morrissey, and you never thought you would, but uh, but yeah. they're like meat is murder, meat is murder, and furthermore, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my third honorable monster is such great heights from Postal Services Give Up because oh, yeah. hot dang, but that just the whole album, the whole album, just so so good. Next up is from the yeah yeah yeahs fever to tell mm-hmm. maps. Mm-hmm. Just a, oh, what a just classic. a great song. Absolutely, just one of those that like I'll just throw on and just have like a of a good flashback of the days mm-hmm. and just like yeah yep. yeah and also similarly off of "Say You Will" by Fleetwood Mac in two thousand three, Miranda mm-hmm. is a song that my uncle put on a mix CD. He used to make mix cds for my mother and my aunt of like the best songs from that year and this one was on that album and i listened to it just nonstop. uh it was so good gotta say i did not expect fleetwood mac to to arrive on this podcast so early (laughs) right right (laughs) i was prepared for the late 90s i was ready 2003 uh came out of nowhere so uh great job yeah so I think that's all our honorable monsters, yeah. yeah. And so and 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 so much and more. And so much more. <laughs> yeah. So much more. Because we we cannot do short bits and segments on this show because we no. just love to talk about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Let's get into it. Tracy, would you like to reveal for us your song and your aspects? All right. Drum roll, please. So, okay. I think I kind of want to like Tell a little bit of a story in, into oh, why, like, do. absolutely. So it's two thousand. It's November two thousand three, and I'm visiting my grandma in her apartment. And I remember that we went out to the mall nearby, and I bought the new Blink One Eighty Two CD. Now I'd listened to a little bit of Blink beforehand. I knew, you know, like some of the like I knew like First Day and like Rock Show and all the small things. You know, the, the wildly popular stuff. And I kind of remember seeing the music video for I Miss You back on um, Canadian thing, Much Music. Oh, sure. Kind of yeah. like our Canadian MTV, which yeah. was used to be like, you know, our big thing. So this was kind of the point where I was like, 
starting to identify like what I like about songs. And then I bought the self-titled album and I remember sitting on my grandma's couch and I had my headphones on in my CD player and I had the little like booklet out back when they used to have lyrics inside the booklets in CDs. But also I remember that booklet like talked about some of the inspiration behind some of the songs and stuff. And I just, it like, that was the, I mean, I'd listened to a lot of music beforehand, but like I said, you know, I kind of mentioned like I was, it was like, intro stuff where I was kind of getting into it, like Eminescence and Lincoln Park. And like, I remember being really into Alanis Morissette when I was younger. I was kind of starting to dip my toes in like some Alice in Chains because that's what my parents were kind of into. But this was like the album where I really fucking fell in love with music for the first time. And I remember that moment of sitting on my grandma's couch with my headphones, falling in love with this album. And then I couldn't listen to anything else for like a year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That album was so on repeat. I just, I, it was all that I listened to. It was like my Blink One Eight Two became my personality as I went from this, you know, thirteen year old going into like fourteen. Like I remember that album influenced my music so much. And we were talking about punk, and like that was like I remember Tom. Um, he like thanked some bands at the end of that album, and that's how I found certain bands like Propaganda mm-hmm. and like. Fuck, who am I thinking of? The Refused. Descendants. The, the Descendants. Descendants, sure. Yeah. Yep. Stuff like like yep. some of that more punk stuff was – I found mm-hmm. a lot of that through that album. So it was like this – it was such a gateway for me discovering that like music, it can't – it can be more than something that you just listen to. Like an album can like – it literally changed my life. It literally was the reason I fell in love with music. And my track that I chose – for that album. Oh, and I also want to point out, I partially picked that album because I remember that's how James and I started talking was about Blink-182. The tracks. But anyways, <laughs> the song that I picked from that album is Stockholm Syndrome, which I think on the original CD, it was the fifth track because it, it my hint was yep. it starts with a letter because it, it, it was a letter that Mark Hoppus's, if I remember correctly, grandfather wrote to his grandmother when he was in the war that was held so it's it's track five but i remember i think on the cd you started like negative numbers for track five was the letter it's that pre-gap thing that we're talking about yeah 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 so they did it kind of like it was like a negative thing i remember on cd um but anyway so it was Mm -hmm. track five on the album and i of course i love the whole album of course the whole album's fucking fantastic like i miss you is like one of the best pop punk songs of the 2000s, without a doubt. You Absolutely. know, feeling this amazing. One of my favorites, mm. it's all of this with Robert Smith. Dang it. Right, yes. Yeah, yep, absolutely. that was a fucking fantastic track, and that's one of the ones that really sticks with me. Oh, for sure. But the, but the thing about Stockholm Syndrome that I really like, or like one of the things, one of the aspects about Stockholm Syndrome that I really like, is a lot of the songs that we traditionally listen to, especially from a band like Blink, which really subscribe to that like pop, punk framework in a lot of their songs of like verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus end that's Mm -hmm. how a lot of the songs are but Stockholm Syndrome was like no no let me throw something completely different at you and they basically did like part one which was kind of the chorus part two which was this really like fast paced drum part where it was simple on both the guitar and the drums but it has still had a lot of energy partially because travis can like play so clean when he's playing really fast like when he's doing these like 16th note hi-hats on the drum or like sorry 16th notes on the hi-hats mm. um 
he keeps it super clean. Like his rudiments are amazing. Absolutely. And then it goes into like this third section, which is like this huge kind of like big buildup and like really intense vocals. But then it comes back to the chorus at the end. So you kind of have this weird, like it's like this almost like a, it's more like a book. I think of the song more as more like a book rather than like, it doesn't have like ups and downs. It almost has like, an, it escalates up to this third section and then quiets down at the end, like the third section is the climax, and it's just so different from a lot of other like song structures, even from the same band. And I think that was the first time when I was like, "This is a band that can do a lot more than just pop punk," because they were really working this album to try and like break out of their box. And like when I was listening to it, to- like reading all the different techniques that they did when they were recording and stuff like that to really try and add a lot of variety to it. Like I feel like feeling this was like the drums were recorded in long hallway mm-hmm. something cool like that there's a they did a lot yeah. of like yeah go ahead oh the, uh the in the the long hallway is there's a part where uh tom was recording vocals at the end of a mm. very long hallway so that he could just yell them and it was this echoey amazing yeah oh yes and also like at the end of lost without you when they do like this cool kind of competing drum solo thing like they really went like yes they're a band that's known for like their really catchy as shit, simple pop punk stuff that is underlaid with these like complex drums. Yeah. But this was a song that like was a lot more complexity and it was like, okay, this is a band that like, yeah, sure. They can write their hits, but they can also write stuff. That's like really pushing boundaries too. Absolutely. And it's too, it's honestly like in 2003, I had so much fucking hope for the band because I listened to this album and it like blew my mind and they were like breaking barriers and then they like broke up afterwards and then they tried to come back together with neighborhoods and it just was not the same and then Tom left and it's never been the same since and it's like it made this this specific album this little like golden nugget of their mm-hmm. music. Absolutely. And it's like I always feel like this album was like showed how much potential they had but you get it just for this album. Yeah. This is it. So yeah. Yep. You treasure it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it you can see a little bit of it on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket where I mean like Tom DeLong doesn't get a lot of credit because he left and because he's made some decisions with his social media interactions and stuff. He is the one that well, Travis is sort of the catalyst and Tom is the one that was like Travis introduced me to all these new bands that aren't SoCal pop punk. I want to try some of this stuff. So take off your pants and jacket. They were like, yeah, let's try a little bit. And then the next album, the self-titled album, they were like, let's try, let's do front to back. Let's just, get, let's get weird with it. And you can hear Mark Coppice sort of being like, okay, but let me just put a little bit of a, just a straight for, straight ahead little pop punk song here, here, and yeah, here. Yeah, like there's like, here's your letter, <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of fits in. You've got to yeah. go, which is kind of like a exactly. couple of like, catchy little pop. And it works. Yeah. I mean, because if it was all experimental, it'd be Boxcar Racer. Album probably would have been a. a <laughs> um, or Angels and Airwaves. Whew. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. 
<laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, I I totally feel that Mark has always kind of been that like that's that very like grounded member of the yep. band that like tries to bring them back to their pop punk roots. Yeah. Um. But I love I I've always loved Mark Hoppus. I think he's yeah. fantastic, Same. and like yeah. I don't want it to see like. But it, he was a balance. Yeah. To Travis, who was introducing a lot of these, like he was doing like transplants and stuff at the time. I remember mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So he was kind of pulling like a little bit of these like hip hop elements and stuff into his drumming, <laughs> and then Tom was definitely starting to like as you said kind of like break out of the pop yeah. punk mm-hmm. box you could kind of tell he was getting bored for, of that even yeah. though the guitar still stays really simple the songwriting yeah grew a lot for yeah. sure the shape of punk to come is a, an album by refuse that came out in 2003 that is is like what if this what if blink way Two self-titled was a swedish like punk band it's like and but also they'd been doing that for their whole career like so they had like they have this like like you know i always wanted jazz punk to be a thing and all my musician friends were like jazz punk isn't a thing because of the meter that they use liberation frequency on the shave of punk to come is what i want to throw in their stupid faces cuz <laughs> listen they're fine but th- those people that told me that but it's exactly what i wanted where it's like boom 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 and then they go into like a uh, you know really fast thing tom was listening to a lot of refused in addition to other stuff, and you can you can kind of hear that where he's like, "I want stabby guitars and like like stuff like that." He doesn't get enough credit for weirdening up Blink One Eighty Two to make them into sort of more of a, I don't know, like respectable, like grown yeah, up kind, kind of, of deal. What I was like, thinking too, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, they stop singing about like wieners so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you can go back to older stuff. And see the the seeds of that in the, like, you know, First Aid and, and Rock Show are the, after they'd already done the album additions, that the record label was like, there's no singles here. So they spitefully wrote two of the biggest songs of their career to, to say <laughs> fuck you to the record label. And the record label's like, that's right. Fuck us, yeah, for sure. <laughs> How much money did we make on those yeah. two? <laughs> Your we, past regression we, we was really monetized. learned our lesson there. <laughs> yeah, huh? Exactly. But yeah, and there's there's so anyways, listen, I could and have go on and on about Blink 182. So yes, great pick. <laughs> But I guess, uh, so talking about the aspects, so yes. I think the aspects of the song that are like, one is the fact that the structure breaks out of the box so much. Two mm. is like, I mean, okay, it's Travis Barker. His drumming is fucking phenomenal, no matter what. There's literally one Blink-182 song that I could play on drums. I've tried many. I've succeeded at one. <laughs> and which one is it? All the small things. Yeah, cool. But his he does this really neat kind of offbeat backbeat start to it and then gets in these really nice like speedy 16th note hi-hats and then the third part which is another aspect that I like is like a, a song I love songs that have a big sound I don't know if there's a specific way to describe it I definitely think that this is an element of one of the songs that we're going to discuss later mm-hmm. but this song like the third section has like a huge sound to it a huge presence to it Mm -hmm. so those are like the three aspects from the song that i really really love awesome i love that stockholm syndrome was the first post feeling this because i got that on uh lime wire on my girlfriend's computer Kristen's computer and it was called action at the time it was this whole thing it wasn't but we all thought it was stockholm syndrome was the first when i was listening to the album i was like "Ooh, what's this now and because there's a like whap 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 like he just is like there's the drums on that are just 
Killer. He is like hitting that snare with. He's probably like damaging his snare head at the beginning of that yeah. song. <laughs> Knowing that you were a drummer, it was not the least. It, I was. I was like, yeah, no, of course that. Of course that one is the one you'd pick. Yeah, so, for sure. Excellent. Pick. Yeah. Love it. James. Yes. Would you like to follow that? Uh, yeah, let's talk. Here's, hey, here's me talking about the song I picked far more superficially because I didn't ever get into them as much as I got into Blink-182. So <laughs> this will be cool. My clue was, if you're going to oppose this guy, you better shift from five to one, which was my way of hinting at the band Against Me and their song, Turn Those Clapping Hands Into Angry Bald Fists. Uh, that is bald, B-A-L-L-E-D, not bald, like no hair. You can do whatever you want with the hair. This album, Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy, it's such a stripped back album. Because I was, I, I can't remember why I started listening to it. I don't know if it was like a, another kiosk sort of deal. And I was like, Against Me sounds like Rise Against and like a punk sort of deal. So I guess I'll get into that. I don't know what, what it was. Maybe it was a, another like, sort of like punkorama comp or whatever. But like this album is so eclectic and so like Laura Jane Grace, this was pre her coming out as trans. Uh, listen, Against Me was groundbreaking in, in that area too. That was the first time anyone I ever knew came out as trans. And it was the sing the lead singer of Against Me. It felt incredibly random but still incredibly like to see the support of the community after that happened was just the most heartwarming. I think it was on Reddit that I saw it and it was like super supportive and great. It was, it was weird, but that was, that was before all this. Her voice is so powerful, but they use it in such differing ways. Like this song sounds so different than other songs on, on the album but in a way that sort of feels like they had two different sessions. Like, uh, we were talking about um, the Bright Eyes albums, the I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, and Digital Ash and a Digital Urn, how they have such different sounds. This would be like if you put those two albums together and picked so you know, songs, so from different sessions, you have different sounding songs. That's sort of how this album feels, in a very good way, because they're all very good. And then they also have really great titles like this one, or there's a song called You Look Like I Need a Drink, which at the time was very funny to me. And it still is in sort of a, oh, those were the days sort of way. But like, there's all sorts of really great songs. And then this song is the one that really, really hit me really hard. Uh, Rice and Bread, which we've mentioned before, I think Ty mentioned it, is really, really good. And, and I think right before this one. And so it sort of starts this theme of, of looking at sort of like American privilege and how that relates to sort of a globalist sort of perspective. And this kind of does that too, but in a way that anyone who's who knows me and knows the song will be like, yeah, no, 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 this of course is the one that James picks. Because then, you know, the first couple of verses are sort of like, what is your American life sort of deal? And then the last verse is switching it. It switches perspective, and it also becomes a, like meta about the song that is being sung. And that's just, I mean, that's just, that's just like catnip to me. That's just exactly what I want. It starts off slowly and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, you know, in the way that the title, you know, says it starts off sort of clapping hands and ends with angry bald fists. It's just really good. And like, it would be, I'm really happy that for whatever reason, maybe future me went time traveled back into the past and put it in my hands or something. I don't know 
how I got a hold of it or started listening to it, but this album is really great, and it's uh, against me as the Eternal Cowboy. Uh, the song is, is really great, too, and I have some aspects uh, for it. Shall we do those now, or shall we... Hit me with those aspects. Hit you with those aspects. All right. Yes. Uh, long outro is the first one. Just a long outro. You know, we love yeah. we love our long outros here on Frankenstein's Jukebox. We, 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 love we do indeed. It has Hell been yeah. discussed on several episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. And Daniel kills it when it comes to... And now we well. kind of slowly, you know, Bruce Banner walk away at the end of the Hulk. Just sort of like, <laughs> finally, yeah. My second one is that it exam- I want to I want the lyrics to examine privilege in some way. I'm not, you know, not being specific about it. I almost was, but then I decided not to be. Um, just sort of look at, at you know... Maybe American privilege, maybe another kind of privilege. Just sort of let's let's take a look at that for lyrics. And then I'd like a perspective shift. I'd like to do a perspective shift like they do from second to first person in this song. I don't necessarily need it to be a second to first person shift. That's just the example I wanted to give. If it goes from third to first, that's fine. You know, whatever. But those are the those are the the three aspects that I picked out of it. So that's yeah. It's a great song. It's such a weird song because I really love it. it. We're getting into the things where I'm like, I really love this song. Okay, what do I love about it? And it's like, I don't know, the song? And so I have to sort of do a little <laughs> more thinking about what it is exactly. My nostalgia for the time? Yeah. All right, well, let's just calm down. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you keep wanting to put one of the aspects is like, makes you think of the old, of the, of the days when yeah. you were first listening to this and like, Gives you that right. good, warm, fuzzy feeling. It's like that. We we can't manufacture that. Is the problem right? But exactly, yeah. yeah. God, if we could do just like gives you that good nostalgia, that would be probably one of my aspects for the next. I don't know, like thirty episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus, we'd be rich because we could, if we could harness that, that'd be great. Oh, monetize yes. that like a. Blink-182 record label. <laughs> Daniel, what was your song, and what are the aspects that you've picked out from the song? Uh, absolutely. So I believe the clue that I gave was if Nick Cave picked somewhere else, mm-hmm. because there's the the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds song, uh, Red Right Hand, mm-hmm. that is just a good song. But I went with a different body part, and off of Her Majesty the Decemberists, uh, the song Red Right Ankle. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine who is a, a I would say huge musical in like musical tastes influence for me is a comedian friend of mine who used to live down here moved up to uh, Chicago years ago but would always make my sisters and I CDs for our birthdays and one year he was just like this strikes me as such a Dan band that like outside of their birthday I'm just gonna make them a Decemberist CD. Nice. And gave me a, a mix of, honestly, because Her Majesty the Decemberist is their second album. So it was just a mix of songs from their first two albums. And right, <laughs> he, he gave that to me in 2003. And like, it was huge for me. This was like music that I had not heard the, I had not heard the like before. It just struck me in such a way that was like, this is a band that, like, I didn't get introduced to by my parents and, like, is just, like, a, a sound that really appeals to me. It was, there was something about, I think, the novelty of it being, like, one of the first, like, bands that I felt was, like, a me band more than anyone else in my family. Because my family's always been super close and we've always, like, shared a lot of musical tastes. And 
my sisters appreciate the Decemberists as well, but I think not quite to the level that that I do. And it was also like a good mix of like there's some good kind of I'm not gonna say harder stuff because like <laughs> this, can't can't really say the Decemberists go hard per se, but some like good high energy stuff and then some good soft like acoustic stuff. And that was a blend of mm-hmm. of things I loved. So Red Right Ankle is this. Uh, it's just Colin Malloy and an acoustic guitar, and uh, it's just this like sweet, if not very weird, love song. And it's just it's just a beautiful song. It's just one of those like several years later when I would pick up the guitar and start learning to play. This was one that I was like, I really want to figure this one out. And it's not like it's a complex song, but it still took me a while to like get because I didn't realize what capos were and I didn't know. I needed to like move up a whole bunch of frets in the guitar to be able to play it, but it's it's my favorite Decemberist song, and I just love it a whole lot. So my aspects for it are that it has an acoustic guitar, just straightforward, pretty simple, easily doable. I've got one hanging up right there. My second aspect is that the verses start the same. So each verse starts with "This is the story of blank." In the song, this is the story of your red right ankle. This is the story of your uncle. That uh, it, it does have uh, what is now known to be a bit of a slur. So I'll just say your mm-hmm. Romani mm-hmm. ankle, uh, uncle. That's what I always sing now when I'm playing it. This is the story of the boys who loved you. I just think it's a nice, like, kind of anchor for each part of it. So that's my second aspect. And my third aspect is uh, that the the lyrics tell an unorthodox love story. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, tried to keep it kind of straightforward and simple. Very interested to see how some of these tie into each other. Yeah. Particularly the same start to that the verses all have the same start, but that is going to be an unconventional uh, format and framework, and I love that. <laughs> I like big uh, sound and acoustic. Yes, also that. <laughs> this is going to be great. So, I mean, I feel like there's like Mumford and Sons. Oh, sure. Absolutely. 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 So, what I'd love to do is review all of our aspects and categorize them mm-hmm. into musical aspects, lyrical aspects, and other. So, our musical aspects are that it's going to have a long outro that uh, correct my wording on this, I guess, uh, if need be. But the the drumming has complexity, like a more cl- complex kind of drumming situation. Yeah, I like. I think that's a really good way to sum it up. Is is just it's complex. Like I yeah. feel like that's the best. That's the best summary. Like complex and tidy. Complex and tidy. I like that. I'm one of those things. I'll let everyone guess which one it is. It's not tidy. And last of our musical aspects is that there's an acoustic guitar in it. Nope, not. That's not the last one. The uh, big sound and presence, especially in the third act, I have as our last musical aspect. Our lyrical aspects are that we have a perspective shift. There are lyrics examining privilege. Boy, this my formatting in my spreadsheet proves that I am not tidy. <laughs> that the lyrics tell an unorthodox love story and that we have the same start to the verses. And then the, I think, only aspect that we have under other is uh, that the structure breaks out of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a little bit of a of an 
unorthodox structure there. So that's what I've got. Do you all have any uh, initial thoughts? Uh, Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's a lot of like interesting, but also conflicting elements. Yes. And this is, this is one of the reasons I just love this show so much is this is like super, this is going to be so much fun to work on. Absolutely. Tracy, do you know any drummers that we could enlist to anyone that you might know that has like a drum set? Over their um, right shoulder. I don't know. Do you know anyone that has one like <laughs> in the room with them? I, that I have. You know, I do know a drummer, um, one drummer, but I don't think that this drummer could play either as complex or tidy as Travis Barker. <laughs> well, listen, no, none of the musicians or lyricists in this chat right now in this in this on this call are going to be as complex or tidy as any professional musicians. (laughs) I think that's safe to say. I do um, tend to enjoy drummers of like the highest (laughs) levels of both of those things. Sure. (laughs) So just Travis Barker. Yes. (laughs) Right. I was was worried that your aspect was going to be Travis Barker's drum playing, and I was like, oh, but... Let's figure out a way to not, and we did, complex and tidy, but because <laughs> yes. I don't, he, he won't return my calls anymore. And it's just like, he's like, no, I don't want to be on your podcast. He's, and I was like, I'm not asking you to be. He's too busy with the Kardashians now. Give him some time. He'll, he'll blow right. over. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Kardashians are going to rip <laughs> off his nice jukebox. I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> hey, let's start a podcast. The Kardashian jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> Working from what we have here, James, it looks like you are just racking your brain trying to find the right portmanteau with Kardashians and Frankenstein. Is oh no, I just I was <laughs> I had shifted back to the my responsible because I had I was like I've been overflowing with generosity by saying it might not be that bad. So I I was like, all right, well that's that box checked. I don't need to pay any more. I don't have to give any more thought to that ever ever again because. <laughs> I've been incredibly generous with my. <laughs> so, no, I was just sitting here trying Fair. to look at, ver, you know, same start lyrics, uh, or unorthodox love story that examines privilege with a perspective shift. Is <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm stoked about that. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun one. This may be one where James does his patented wait for the music technique, which is where I am like, yeah, that's gonna be tough. Well, Daniel, let me know when. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh boy, that's going to that's putting a lot. <laughs> so, let's let's do you know James where I'm probably going to go Absolutely. with with this sentence. Taking a look at the things we have, are there any specific genres we're feeling like 
speak out here as like I feel like we've we've pulled kind of like you have Blink, which is pop punk, and you have Against Me, which is punk. I would say mm. I would categorize them as more yeah. like punk. But then you have the Decembers, which are like indie darlings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're is there indie pop punk? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was sort of thinking, um, do you guys know Big Audio Dynamite? Yeah. No. The after the clash broke up, Mick Jones from the Clash started this listen, in the nineties the word world music was thrown around a lot, and it's really not it, great to call it that. It's just music from non UK or US countries. But it was a it was Mick Jones basically being like, What if the same message existed in a structure that was more diverse in its sort of instrumentation and presentation. You know, there was like DJ scratching and also acoustic instruments mixed with big drums and and sort of some of the stuff that we're talking about here. So we could do like the messaging can be what, you know, in, in more of a punk area and the 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 music could be in more of a like a divert like acoustic but with the big drums so it's not like an electric sort of deal necessarily but with like some strummed acoustic guitars in there but with these big sort of intense complex drums sort of getting this sort of you know whirlwind of stuff to to get going on the on the instrumentation i don't know what genre you call that and it's not world music, but yeah, I'm not. But the, the the neat thing about like including punk as a genre is that punk isn't just about like the heavy hitting guitars right. and like the fast drums. Punk Absolutely. is also about like the message that you're trying to send and like speaking speaking out. And, and punk is about so many more things than just the music. So that's kind of the cool thing about including it is Absolutely. that there's so many different interpretations of punk. Absolutely, hundred percent. I have a thought. Okay. So I feel like if we're going to have a structure that's kind of not just like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, whatever, I feel like we could do kind of three like movements more or less. Okay. Mm -hmm. That like starts out a little more mellow with acoustic guitar and as everything moves and builds, we get into the second movement and gets a little harder a little you know a little more intense a little bigger and then like the third movement is like the big one that brings it home and i think each movement could have a different perspective of the same like interaction Mm. and that's where we can get into like examining the privilege in this interaction Mm. okay yeah, I like the that a lot. The tricky part is working in the unorthodox love story there. Ah. That's, that's I think, one of the biggest clashes that we haven't talked about yet. Unorthodox gives us lots of wiggle room. <laughs> so when we're, when we're describing this kind of structure, one of the first songs that came to mind for me was Olean Dreams by Weezer. And I feel yeah. like that also has a tiny little bit of like an unorthodox love story because Weezer's love songs are always a tiny bit creepy. And I'm not saying that unorthodox equals creepy, but I'm saying that in that case, it's like, it's kind of unorthodox and creepy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's fair. It's it's Blue Album creepy, which is to say, like, the daytime version of any sort of Pinkerton creepy that that you could could talk about, where it's like, oh, that's kind of sweet. We're going to dance or whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you mean my favorite song on Pinkerton, he said? Oh, such a good song, but also so creepy. (laughs) Oh, boy, there's just so many. They're like, man, this song's great. Let's not evaluate the lyrics. People people wonder why Rivers Cuomo, like, broke and then kind of reformed and then kind of broke. Like, it's because he keeps doing this stuff where he's like, hey, this is great, but also... Look at look at me. Maybe don't examine these too uh, too closely. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the unorthodox love story is actually going to be not a, not not hard. I think that in in the lyrics that I write and the stories that I write and, and jokes I tell, the love story that I have to actively not sort of bring it back down to not having that. So I think that's not going to be a problem. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I do, I mean, I do trust in you. You've you've not steered us wrong lyrically so far, whereas I would be steering us just a- everywhere <laughs> lyrically. Right. I am not a lyricist. Well, I really kind of like the idea, well, no, no, we just did that. <laughs> My mind was like, I kind of like the idea of going kind of metal with it. <laughs> but we like, we just <laughs> did that in an episode. The A three movement metal song that got more complex as we went on oh boy it's just what we write now that's just our genre Pop it took <laughs> it it took this many episodes for us to be derivative of ourselves <laughs> oh goodness we knew it would happen but i d- i do kind of like the idea of like late 70s early 80s like epic story type of feel to it maybe mm-hmm. like Kind Are you basically like, like some journey vibes? Yeah, I'm maybe throwing down some journey vibes. Like a little bit of journey vibes mixed in with a with some Rush's 2112 in the like Ooh. scope. Do you know but what also song has not an a 20 minute story song? that also examines privilege? Don't stop believing. <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> well, maybe it doesn't, but it could. Like if not Steve Perry had written it. Like now, it's definitely a separate ways is an unorthodox love story. Okay, fair. That's the is that the I'm going on on tour. No, no. What am I thinking of? Worlds apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Separate ways is the greatest journey song, and I will I will stand by that firmly, firmly in front of "Don't Stop Believing," which is a fine song, but it is no separate ways. The the 70s for this show are going to be. It's gonna they're be. Gonna, a they're wild gonna be something. Time. They're gonna be something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, like that. But I mean, thinking of it from a journey or like Bruce Springsteen sort of perspective of a story, you can easily pop in like an examination of of like class differences or stuff like that. I think you could do pretty. I mean, like, <laughs> like Romeo and Juliet is kind of like. <laughs> we don't need to get into it, but you know, we could get it if they yeah. one of them was poor. And they weren't both just like the presidents of their cities. Anyways, it's fine. I've lost the I've lost the track. But yeah, no, I think that I think that's actually a great example of of an of a you can have an unorthodox love story that looks at some of that stuff. Yeah. So you've made my job easier. So what are you thinking for your for your side? Are you thinking similar? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I really love the idea of like journey vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Of just like okay, I know I mentioned Russia's twenty one twelve in terms of like feeling that big epic swooping thing mm-hmm. but i also want to just like i do kind of want it to be as like big and dramatic as an alan parsons project okay song because like d- oh boy they were just so like dramatic with everything they did it was right. great 
And I feel like that could be a lot of fun of like getting that big sound and presence, right? Not like maybe not as synth heavy as Alan Parsons okay. project, but like the same level of dramatics. I'm thinking um, another brick in the wall parts one, two, and three. Okay, Where it's it, like, so funny starts. that you said that because I was yeah. thinking of Pink Floyd. Please continue. That, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that that sort of builds in the same. You know, that's part of a larger story and and whatever. But like yeah. in the way that it and it also has the same structure. Anyways, but like in the sort of way that it builds like that in sort of a increasing in intensity sort of way. That's sort of I think going to have to be maybe my. Not that, you know, that's sort of what I'm thinking of. I'm less familiar with Alan Parsons' project than I might be. I think they did an album with Lou Reed? Did they do an album with Lou Reed? Or is that just a Lou Reed album? It, it doesn't matter. It, but Alan Parsons' project I know of sort of in general senses and not uh, specific. But I can, get, I can get on board with sort of the same with Rush a little bit. Less familiar okay. with Rush than I might be, than I should be, probably. Mm. Not that Sounds there's like a I need to make music, you a but, couple of playlists yeah. of... Alan no Parsons Project and, and Rush, because, good lord. So I was going to mention, speaking of, it's really funny that you said Pink Floyd, because mm. when we talk about these, like, 70s dramatic songs, like, intense parts. So, like, Blink is, like, the formative band that I discussed, but my, fav- my favorite actual band of all time is Pink Floyd. Tracy, and my how favorite come we're not best friends earlier than this? <laughs> like, I don't really We are right this. now. Okay, yeah. I mean, no, we are now, um, but yeah. <laughs> So my favorite Pink Floyd thing is they did this live album called Live in Pompeii, mm-hmm. which came out before Dark Side of the Moon. Yep. And the version of Echoes on there has this really, like, beautiful, like, big instrumental sections. And it takes it t- its time and it's patient, but it still tells a beautiful story in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But the actual like, instrumental parts are really big. And then for a while, the middle, it goes bing, bing, bing for a, a long time. Since Pink Floyd, they're like, we got to be fucking weird somewhere. <laughs> and then they come back and they're beautiful again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And anybody, if you listen to, like, look up, like, Live in Pompeii Echoes, Mm -hmm. you'll hear what I'm talking about with the bing, bing part. And the song is perfection other than this weird middle part. But anyways, (laughs) the point is, it is another perfect example of that, like, big, that, like, big sound like the big the big kind of guitar and like the outro was quiet mm-hmm. but i still want to bring it up because i feel like it's still got a little bit of that like epic feeling absolutely absolutely that we're kind of like working around i just just a real quick sentence the song one of these days uh from uh metal it only mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. one line and it's one of these days i'm gonna cut you into little pieces and mm-hmm. As high school James was getting into Pink Floyd and listening to Pink Floyd all the time and mostly hanging in the animals, wish you were here area, that was very near and dear to me because I'm like, this song is gorgeous. And then it busts into this very intense, like, serial killer area, which yeah. was kind of a fun place to be like, what you doing there? What are you, what are you doing? And uh, they're like, we're... You know, changing the face of music. So, what do you what do you have to do? What what do you have to say about that? And I was like, I will continue listening to it. That's my conversation with Pink Floyd. <laughs> the way that some of those some bands I feel like suffer from short songs. I think Coheed and Cambria, when their songs are less than four minutes long, and truly when their songs are less than six minutes long, I like them less because they don't have the space to get weird with it. And I think that. 
Yeah. And Pink Floyd is like, fuck you. Like, all my good songs are like minimum 15 minutes right, long. Right, exactly. And yeah. then if you yeah, want to yeah, listen yeah, yeah. to me, like, exercise some patience. But exactly. And oh, man. But then, but then they'll do songs like, like San Tropez or like some of those songs where it's like this song is a two minute song about my dog that I rode on the on my bicycle on the way into the club into the pub. Here it yep. is. Anyways, like I was saying, this is this. Now I'm done with that, and now we'll close out the rest of the si- the other side of this record with just one song. So just yeah, we'll just. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But sometimes I'm like baffled. By yeah, metal was a while. Like I love metal so much. It's fa- yeah. every single track is so fantastic. But as a record, it doesn't really make sense. It's yeah. very all over the place. You could tell that that was like the era where they're like, we're almost yeah. gonna be a cohesive album like Dark Side of the Moon, but we're not quite there. Not yet. quite <laughs> there. Yeah, exactly. Do we really want to devote? Okay, but we will just a little bit. But don't worry, there's still some pop stuff in there to an extent. <laughs> Yes, I love this. I love the the idea of having like a, a Pink Floyd feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that v- can very easily fit all of these things, right? Yeah. Having a, a structure that breaks out of the box. Mm-hmm. That's their whole thing. A b- big sound and presence, complex and tidy drumming, a long I mean, I don't outro. know if I'd describe Nick Mason as tidy, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. fantastic, but he's very like you imagine that he plays drums with like r- like very loose wrists. But anyways, yes, or like a fair. cup of tea in one hand and one just one. <laughs> <laughs> I my 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 joke that I rarely get to tell because it's so rare. I actually I did a, a hilarious joke on Timeline Scavengers that was not received by anyone except for me. My joke is that Nick Mason can take a nap, read a newspaper, go. On a on a little walk, a little bit of a you know sort of a little wander about, and as long as he makes it back for his when it goes into the, he's he's golden. Yeah, I mean, yeah, complex or and tidy. I'm not I'm not sure about, but we that can be the element that we bring to it. And basically, what I'm saying is improve Pink Floyd is the. Is the goal and mission here? Improve improving Pink Floyd through Blink. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone Blink hates Floyd. that concept. I feel no like one Rick, likes that. Rick, Rick Wright just like rolled over in his grave right now. Now I think the only thing left for me is is it um, Blink Floyd or Pink One Eighty Two? Is that? Oh, I think it's got to be Blink Floyd. Yeah. Which I don't know. I hate, I, uh, I, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's got to be Blink Floyd because I think Pink One Eighty Two is a little bit too confusing. It sounds yeah. like a like a dye, like a like a <laughs> like a food coloring. This may contain Pink One Eighty Two. I hate that we're this deep into the episode and like this this is gonna be the episode. Like Blink Floyd has to be the name of this episode. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And like it's gonna be like we're burning this great joke on the title already, but it's just too good. Yeah. It's just too good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Amazing. James, this one this one might have to be one where we work like together on like simultaneously on music and lyrics. Interesting. Okay. Because I I don't th- I think I'm going to need some lyrical stuff uh-huh. to uh-huh. work off of because oh boy. Can do. To like just to get a good feel for Oh, yeah. This is going to be this is going to be a challenging one for sure. Mm-hmm. But I am I am so looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. It is. Tracy, we'd like to keep you included on the on the creation of this song if we if we may. Hell yeah. Great. Hell yeah. 
Well, then, I suppose, does anyone have any final thoughts about this song before we move on to uh, the the outro of the show? Bubblegum pop is our next genre. I'm going to call it right now. Enough okay. Of, enough of this All weird right. shit. We're going to get into some bubblegum <laughs> three-minute verse chorus, verse bridge chorus, and that's it. I've just, like, I threw a song at you that's just, like, so weird Listen, that none, I really want to throw you all off. None of these songs... Like, when the Decemberist song is, like, the most radio accessible. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're coming you've from a weird s- You've got a spread there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. Can't get enough of it. Absolutely love it. All right, well, James. Yep. Do you have a hint for your song for next year? I do, and here's the deal. I'm very excited about it. I am also very excited about my hint, because it's absurd. Here's, yes, hit us with yours. I think that you can get this. Here it is. Edgar Roger Vincent Jane. Edgar Roger Vincent Jane. Edgar Roger Vincent Jane. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I've never written a clue that you can get more than this, and I don't know if that's too much. Of a oh hint, boy! But... That's such a that's such a thing for you to say. <laughs> that is such a thing for you to say, <laughs> because that's like simultaneously a high bar and a low bar. It's weird. Yeah. You. Do give just such amazingly varied hints. I'm proud of this one. Also, a little hint for the song. Uh, you're going to be mad at me next month. Great. Actively I'm looking forward upset to that. With me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> one, of my, one of my aspects is, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the last episode of this show. <laughs> no. Awesome. Awesome. I will dig into that. Yes. Uh, Can I give you my hint? Please, please, please. All right. My hint is their babies are kids, but that point is moot. Got it. Cool. Perfect. Excited. James, where can people find you if they want more of you on the internet? Uh, If they want more of me on the internet, they can go to Twitter and type in at unabashed James. Very nice. And that's where you you can hit and then hit enter. And then that'll be me. Perfect. And you can always find me on Twitter at Dantendo64. You'll find me talking about hockey and puzzles and music, generally. Yeah. Tracy, if our fans have been listening, they would love to experience more of you and your delightfulness. Where can they do just that? Uh, You can either find me on Twitter or on Twitch at TracySaur. That's like... Tracy the Dinosaur, S-A-U-R. If you want to come hang out on Twitch, I usually stream Mondays and Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm currently playing Mass Effect 3 on Mondays and Zelda Ocarina of Time on Thursdays. Ooh, Uh-oh. subscribe Uh-oh. their eyes. I saw the <laughs> D- Dan 64 is like, that's an N64 game. <laughs> Not only an N64 game, but also a Zelda game. And I love the Zelda franchise. Where are you currently in Ocarina of Time? I just finished the forest temple, so I'm about nice. to go into the fire the fire temple, and I actually love the fire temple so much that I have a tattoo. Oh, oh brilliant. I love that. So good. <laughs> love that game so much. You're the coolest. I don't You are the coolest. I, just you're so you it's so cool. It was really it was really great talking about music with y'all. It has been so much fun talking about music with you. Listeners, if you would like, there's a link to Twitch stream in the show notes so go there and do that thing do the following and the subscribing and whatnot yes, if you've got please. amazon prime it's a free sub use it like 
What's what's the what you hurting? Nothing. Do it. It's the cool thing to do. It's what all your friends are doing instead of jumping off bridges. Or in addition to. Or in addition to. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening. This has been a blast. As always, you can find the show at Frank's Jukebox. And I am now realizing, timing-wise, we should probably talk about snips. Oh, yeah. So it's the second time of doing this uh, Scavengers Network Indie Podcast showcase, because it's not annual. I mean, it is annual, but it's not. Last time we did it in May of last year, or June... Anyways, it was last year. This one's this year, and it's on the 16th and 17th of September. And lots of scavenger shows are going to be there on the internet being filmed, and you can then watch them. That's right. It's going to be live streamed on Twitch and on YouTube and on the website itself, which is snipshowcase.com. What's what's the Twitch channel? Twitch.tv slash the scavengers network. Yeah. Cool. And we're going to be on there. I'm very excited about what we're doing for Snips. We're going to have not one guest, not two guests, three. Three whole guests. guests. Yeah, which was Whoa. super cool. When I signed up, I was like, just the two of us, you know, talking about the Will Smith song. But then I wrote to Morgan and Colin and said, hey, what if instead it was five people? Can we do that? Because that's what we're doing. Please, thank you. Execute. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be five of us doing something a little wild, a little weird, a little for the youths. Yes. It's going to be a B-last. Yeah. It's gonna be as, as, as the youths say, yeah. I think, maybe. Don't be last. Have a B-last, they say. That's the one. Yeah. So come on out and join us for that. Uh, more information can be found at snipshowcase.com. Uh, it's going to be a great time. So yes. thank you, everyone, so much for joining. And uh, as always, see you last year. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.